in the same way. Back together again. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I wouldn't want to touch you. Good. That's good then. We'll incorporate 50 ways. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Hey, we're chilling out. We're at uh, Mez's flat. We're at an undisclosed location. I cannot announce Mez's where flat. that is. Mez's flat. Do you want to? Do I want to go? <laughs> yeah. So we are at an undisclosed location. And we thought, given our time schedules and the fact that we're around at the same time, we'd uh, do it in the same undisclosed location. So here's an undisclosed location. Here is where we are. How do I sound? Do I sound sexy? You sound good to me. You sound good to me. We have to sacrifice. One person has to do the sound monitoring. Yes. So my headphones are here. If you're watching the video, here they are. And if you're looking at the floor, it's just a mess of just cables and USBs, and yeah. I'm on a box. And he's not; he's on a sofa. His shoes are off, and last his shoes are off. You're gonna stink up my sofa. Yeah, uh, I think I will. I think I will. <laughs> How are we doing then, kid? We've been pretty busy, haven't we? We've busy, busy. Straight back into Ooh. gigging life. Busy, busy, boo banana. That's how busy we've been. I'll tell you, I just made that up. You're coming up with new phrases. That's how just busy new, a new phrase for every day of the week. That's what my plan of action is. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, very busy. I'll try not to boot that across. That's gone well for me. <laughs> oh no, something's gone. There we go. Back in. There we go. I'll try not room. to try not to boot that away. <laughs> that, that's not helpful. Uh, yeah, very busy. Very busy with work, with teaching. Um, with uh, rehearsals, with weddings, with uh, actually, I spent quite a bit of time preparing for this week's podcast. Yeah, so did I. So did I. Um, all ten minutes of it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm obviously joking. No, we we yeah, decided, like I said, to do it in the same room this week. So it's quite quite strange because you're here, you're not there yeah. on my laptop. Well, you are. Yeah, but. It is a weird feeling. It's like it's not, this doesn't feel like, because this is the first time we've tried this, it doesn't feel like we're just having a podcast. This is the whole point. Like, yes, we would just have these conversations at university. Exactly. And this is, this is kind of the thing. Usually there'd be someone playing in the background. Usually there'd be something exciting going on. But, um, I'm not drunk. You're not eating the biggest pizza I've ever seen in my life. The biggest. After after going all the way up Park Street. If you know about Bristol, Park Street, that's quite a steep hill. Oh, yeah. But when you're drunk and you've got courage and you've got carbohydrates in a nice box waiting for you. Good oh, Lord, Daddy. Good Lord. Is there anything better? Maybe not. Maybe not. But yes, we have we have been very, very busy. We know that we have uh, haven't been sticking to our once-a-week schedule, and trust me, we keep talking about we're like let's do this let's do this and then our week just piles up it's really hard to like like all my skater mates and things like that i'm like cool let's try and do this day or hey we'll do this day and a lot of them have nine to five jobs and we kind of work on the weekend it'll be friday saturday sunday and you're getting back at what like between three and five in the morning hell then you're like okay i need to sleep a little bit until the afternoon then you might go gig again so it's really hard to keep up plans. And then when you've got like, we need to do a rehearsal quickly and you've got five people with five different lives to be like, okay, let's navigate to here. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to have to let someone else down. I have to let this down, let's do this down. So it's like, it is like that thing with adulthood where they're like, yeah, you just make plans with people and you're like, oh, can we do next month? Sorry, we went out last month. <laughs> That is what it's like, but you know. It's quite, it's quite intense, but at the same time, it's, I think it makes it all the more, I don't like the word special. Uh, 
I think it makes it all the more um, nice when you see someone after a, a long period of time. And obviously, we've been gigging for a few weeks now. It's, it's, I feel like it's pretty much back to back to reality. Yeah. And it's um, well. How was your? Uh, how do you feel about the first gig? Because in England, because um, I know we got about what three people overseas that listened to this last time I checked. Yeah, literally. How do you feel about the gigs that now we've done? Because Britain has pretty much lifted all of its uh, yeah. lockdown restrictions. It's kind of like a personal choice. So how did you feel about that? The last couple of weddings we've played where it's been like everyone's together, really, really close and hugging and stuff. It's almost like I forget for like five minutes, I'll be playing, you know, the, the muscle memories there. Uh, so I see, you look down at the set list. I'm no longer like, oh my God, like the first gig was the only real one that I actually panicked on where I was just like, I'm, I'm a musician again. This is this is very strange. I have to think about this, but no, the um, yeah, the last couple. It's like I forget for five minutes, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's a pandemic on. There's twenty people over there just gathering, yeah. and that that kind of does me a little bit. Where I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But also, you 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 carry on packing up or whatever, playing your show or whatever you're doing. And you kind of forget and then you remember and I'm still very much in that that thing of like where my brain will say like if I'm, so it's not happening right now but like a couple of weeks ago you'd be sat there and I'd be like, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here right yeah. now. We we You should be in your house and I should be in mine and if we're here we've got to wear masks and I mean to be fair um, I mean, I, I didn't. We weren't really strict on that to begin with, were we? We well, we were and we weren't. You were, you were more so strict. Well, well again, uh, we we now test negative on our yeah COVID little lateral flow tests. So like, we're always conscious of that because again, we've we've nearly had work taken away from us. We have had yes. gigs cancelled because of COVID. Um, trying to organise depths for people who have had members of the household getting COVID. So it's very hard to do. So we're both of us, and again, the whole band are making sure. Get yourself tested all the time. Yeah. Get it done because, you know, it's we've now got that first taste of like, this is our job again. Yeah. How cool is this? We want to make sure it keeps going and going. Absolutely. That's that's the point. I mean, Asda is a lot of things and, you know, it saw me through. It got me out of bed. It stopped me drinking. But also, I'm sick of it now. I've, <laughs> I've cleaned that to, those toilets too many times. So many times. And it's, you can only get them so clean. Oh, mate. It just gets to a point, doesn't it, where you're just like, I am there there is less than a meter between me and a random person's feces. A little plastic stick, little bristles on the end, and then there's my hand <laughs> with some feces. It's a sobering thought. Yeah, it? it's yeah, do you know what? It's it's also just the whole like when you look at it from a from a uh, just a completely neutral light, like feces is obviously your body's waste. It's your body's way of taking the nutrients and the protein and stuff and all the good stuff to help your body go and give you energy. But uh, poo sucks, mate. I'm not in. I'm not in for my own. So somebody else's. Nah. <laughs> I think. I think the worst job I have to do there is in our cleaning room where we empty the machines after cleaning the floor, where we. Uh, we we got washing machine and a tub dryer in there for washing the cloths and the mops and stuff. Um, there's lots of other functions to it, but we uh, when we do the machines and stuff, we we empty them in that room and there's like a grate with a gutter. Now and again, 
it's on like a little rotor. So I've done it recently, so I won't do it for a while now. We'll pick the grates out, flip them over. We've got this heavy-duty cleaner called Spitfire. Now, when I mean heavy-duty, I mean oh, bits in your eye. <laughs> oh, shall I, shall I go to a tap? No. Nah, don't bother, mate. It's already done. Don't, yeah, you're done for. You, uh, did you like that eye? Yeah, shame one, that. One eye mess from now on. Literally, mate. Um, it is incredibly heavy duty cleaner like it's not um i mean i don't have very sensitive skin but it's not overly uh irritable on skin but if it gets in your body that's bad that's wow. that's like ring the doctor now oh, have man. the label handy um <laughs> we spray that on the grates we've got these long handled like really uh stiff bristle brushes and we just scrub and scrub and scrub. <laughs> and it, yeah, boiling hot water. You let the Spitfire soak in. And it's either that, that's a bad job because you spray enough Spitfire, you're like, oh, it's like you've had a beer, you're there, like, whoa, because it's very, the fumes of it are very, very, you know, we do wear masks when we work. So, I mean, it's not as bad as it could be, but it's still pretty like, uh, either that. Or, you know, when you go to your urinal in the men's oh, yeah. and there's that little domey boy just above this. Yeah. Pulling that out and spraying what we call whiff away on it. Because as we all know, whiff, whiff away. Because as we all know, urine smells quite bad. Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, so you spray a bit of that on it. Normally, it's a case of white primed as well. Fuck that. All right. No way. I'll spray some whiff away. Uh, that's about as far as it goes. And then I put it. I'm wearing gloves, by the way. I'd like to point out. I'm not just like putting my hand on this dome that 1,500 men have pissed on in the last week. Uh, yeah, it's pretty grim. It's pretty rotten. Um, also taking the bin out, the bin bags out to the compactor. That's pretty bad as well, especially during the summer. So, yeah, uh, compared to I'll wash my suit, I'll learn the first dance, I'll turn up to practice, jump in the van, turn up, put my suit on, set up, play a gig, get home at 5 a.m., get paid. In one weekend, recently, I got paid more than I did from two weeks of work. Madness, madness. And I'm now at a point where I'm like, yep. Yep, let's go. Yep, COVID, go away. Go away. Go away. Don't COVID. ring. Don't call me. Mate, um, you could just hand in your notice right now. Give yourself a month. True. However, there we go. That could be the problem. So I'm sticking there for, um, I've narrowed it right down to two shifts a week now because I need the time, quite frankly. I yeah. need to sleep. Um, still quite a lot of this flat that hasn't been unpacked yet. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm eager for it to be back. I'm also a bit anxious because I don't believe that the conservatives gave us freedom for the good of us. No. So I'm, I'm very, um, very, very sort of cautious on that front. That's why I haven't left yet. And I imagine it's the reason you haven't left your job yet. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a good little, you know, I was doing what test tube uh checking test tubes that are coming out of machines for eight hours a day 6am till two and that was like bleary eyed and then we were starting up this podcast i remember the um the one we did with jack sharp which lovely was guy classic albums that you just can't no it wasn't that was wrong uh follow-ups to the yes successful album and my introduction to uh 
to old lads. Kings of Leon. Kings of Leon. And you listened to that one song, Radio One Active. song, still only know it. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> I remember trying to sit down to write that and it was just like, I, I, I can't think, I can't do anything. No. So I kind of did a couple of lines. That was it. Not yeah, a not couple of, of lines. Not of cocaine or of... drugs. Just a couple of paragraphs. That was what it was. A couple of the old, and the, uh, of the old tubular bills. And the cover albums one as well. That was the first yes. week. I, I just remember being so tired and my eyes were so heavy, but. Yep, yeah, and now just now unload freights, unload big trucks, and that's like one or two shifts a week. And it's like, okay, for two to three hours work, 45 quid. Okay, bang in. I'm fine with that. It comes in a little bit extra. Now that all these, you know, more acoustic gigs or just more gigs are coming in in general, you can just kind of save up. I'll probably do the same as you. I'll probably be like, you know what? Give it maybe a couple of months and I'll leave it. Once I move, definitely head back up to Bristol yeah, again. Definitely. There's no point doing it, but I do like doing it. It's a good... Again, it's humbling, isn't it? It's kind it of like is. good, solid, honest work. There's still a, yeah, there's still a, a level of, um, not that we don't work hard when we're at the gigs, but it's uh, it's a different kind of work hard due to the fact that, um, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's just a case of, um, it's nice to have that because then you're kind of like, okay, I am still grounded, but I am still a musician, but also I'm still making money, so that's good. There's something else to put on the CV. I mean, that made me laugh. The other day, my girlfriend, Molly, she turned around and she went, you need to update your CV as well. And I went, yeah, every wedding, every bride and groom, (laughs) they go, can I see that CV, please, actually? Yeah, I need to to make sure you haven't been out of work for a long time. Uh, And she kind of went, oh, whatever. And I was like, well, I don't need it. 2021, successfully completed (laughs) with away training. Oh, don't give me the whiff away. Don't give me the whiff away. Hey, these kids don't want to hear about our jobs and our nah. powers and stuff. They want to hear about music. They want to hear about albums yes. that we've listened to. And we've yes. gone, you know what? Everyone says they're rubbish. We're going to listen to it. it ain't rubbish. It's because of this and because of that, right? Uh, and Mez, we're doing solo albums by band members. He said that, not me. I said it, all right? So now, he said that. We all have our beloved bands, right? We all know them. Beloved. We, you kind of assign different things to them. So usually you have the genius one. You've got the, the kind of cocky, egotistical singer. And you've got the drummer that says nothing. You've got the bass player that comes up with all the songs, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we could even equate it to someone like Queen, right? I think, I don't know if it's that common knowledge, but John Deacon, who's the bass player, um, he wrote a lot of their hits already, didn't he, in terms of the riffs? Later on, uh, yes, yeah, certainly. John Deacon, I mean, I want to break free. That was John. That was a John Deacon tune. Yeah, um, yeah he re- he wrote quite a lot. I mean, they all had their own parts, obviously. But later on, John really started writing. Earlier on in the band, he he didn't really write a lot. Uh, and I think as they got more successful, obviously had more time in the studio and things like that, he was able to come out and do it. And I mean, he he never really took it that seriously. It was only bits and bobs for him. And then he wrote, "I want to break free," which. I mean, yeah, it's. I would not say it's Queen's best song. However, it's numbers don't lie. Numbers don't numbers lie. Numbers don't is, lie. That is a definitely a signature hit. But you know, that's within the context of a band. So yes. everyone obviously gets kind of um, an urge sometimes to either make music that you want. You might have been working on a certain album or working with a group of people, and you're kind of going, "Well, this riff idea that I kind of came in. We both had this probably. Like, oh yeah, this riff idea that I kind of came with, and I was thinking this is now." within a couple of hours, change into something that if I was left on my own devices, I wouldn't have gone that way. So like, yeah, what happens if I kind of just did 10 or 12 songs on my own and see what that's like? And 
you know, everyone gets that. Everyone gets that. So the most interesting case of that, I would say, after my burp. Lovely. Oh, I love that. Is the only band to ever do this. Kiss. They, all the band members, there's only four of them, they all release solo albums on the same day. And that is the only band ever to do that. Weird. Ace Freely's is the best. Peter Chris's is the not best. The not best. But he doesn't make it into this list or into this kind of uh, what we're going to talk about today. So, Mez, I mean, you're not... Actually, we can do this. I was going to say, Mez's vegan munch yes, wouldn't we can. be on, but I think we can do it because I've realised. Yes, we can. Because I touched it, didn't I? I touched it. You touched fingers. it. You were so eager to eat, you touched I it. I was eager to eat. And do you know what? I still ate it. Go on then. What what'd you have then? Episode three. Here we go. I do believe it was the no beef beef burger from Witherspoons. It was beyond patty. Beyond. That's the one. Not no beef. Um, yes, I did. Yes. And I had chips and I had onion rings. I made it slightly non-vegan by adding mayo. However, um, as I said, my veganism is very, my veganism, my vegetarianism is very much a case of, um, really don't want to get super super ill uh and obviously i do care about the animals but it's not like a strict strict thing have you been cautious about your meat intake now i have i haven't had a dodgy takeaway for probably about two three weeks now nice. because i i the food i got was from a notable i hate people that do that i'm doing the whole quotation <laughs> thing if you're not watching the video um the whole thing with your two fingers where it's like a bunny rabbit you're like notable i hate that Anyway, a notable source. Um, but I feel like if I got that ill potentially from something I ate from a big multi-million dollar conglomerate, like where where's the line? Where's your cough point? So I've kind of been trying to avoid it, trying to avoid bad food, trying to remember what I've eaten, because then it's a case of, Oh, that was that was terrible. So I'm not going to eat that again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of I'm not being super strict on it, but I'm being I'm I'm trying to avoid as much meat as I can. Also, interesting to know that by your mid fifties to your sixties, you are significantly higher risk as a percentage uh, of getting things like uh, heart disease and cancer if your intake of meat is as mine was. Ah. Uh, and I do smoke as well, which is obviously, I mean, there's seven, I think 70 different types of cancer caused by smoking, something like that. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so I've, I've been limiting it, limiting it. And this week we had the Beyond Meat Burger from Weatherspoons. It was very good, actually. I very much enjoyed it. How did you find the texture of it? That's what I'm interested in. The that. texture, it was a little bit, again, it's on the squishy side, but obviously the structural integrity is not going to be as beef burger as a beef burger is. Having said that, I can forgive the structure because I thought it was really, really tasty. Nice. I thought it was lovely. I thought the bun left a lot to be desired. Well, I mean, it's it's Weatherspoons, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. I think for the price and for what you get quality-wise, you can't beat it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, also, Doom Bar, 190 a pint. Should we just go down there now? Sorry, guys. uh, That's the podcast this week. Uh, Take it easy. Um, Uh, If only, eh? And uh, yeah, I thought it was very good. The chips were Weatherspoon's chips. The onion rings were a little bit overdone. I'll forgive that. 
um and um yeah i've really really enjoyed it actually i was well into it and normally i'll have like a buttermilk chicken because you can't really go wrong with that they come in frozen they chuck them in the deep fat fryer and then they poke them and go oh yes that is of a good temperature <laughs> i've worked in pub kitchens before as you can tell um but yeah so that's very good i'm going to give that a 8.1 out of Ooh. 10 well, I haven't got my little chart here, so I'm, that isn't the highest you've, you've rated. I think is it? it is, you know. You think it is? I think it is. Okay, 8.1. That's beyond beef burger there. Beyond that beef. thing to beat. And I think next time what I'll do, if I go for it again, is instead of having a burger in a bun, I'm going to order two patties with no bun. Bunless, go on. I think that's the way to go. A little bit disappointed because there was no vegan cheese on the menu. That is true, actually. Vegan cheeses. That's the best place to try it, I think. Yes. Like yes. But it was good. It was very nice. And um, yeah, I recommend it. I do recommend it. And I had something else to say, but my brain is not allowing it to get out. Well, you're going to have to save it because I'm going to bloody start. He's eh? going in. So I went with Two Sides of the Moon by Keith Moon. Nice. It was released in March 75 or April 75 or August 75. There are three different places <laughs> from three different books that I read that said that. Was it not uh, different release dates for different needs? No, for different uh, areas. Potentially, but I mean, March, April, like I get March and April, but like August, it's quite a long <laughs> way. It might have been maybe the single. I mean, yeah. It was a single but... released quickly. It's very true, yeah, because you release it concurrently before the album, don't you? Give people a taste. I mean, the that's true. The uh, I've I've seen it before with doing things on this podcast as well, where it's been uh, released in the US on the twenty eighth of March, nineteen something or other, and then released in the UK the thirtieth of April, and that's mental. Like uh, what a gap that is, but obviously you've got licensing rules and you've got copyright and you've got distribution and you've got this and you've got that. And sometimes, I mean, if I was on a major label that was in the US and I was releasing an album, I would battle to get the album released here first because I'm like, well, I'm from the UK. I imagine a lot of my fans are from the UK or I base it on that. Where are the majority of my fans? Well, then it will get released there first. There you go. Uh, and that just makes sense to me. But I mean, yeah, it seems like a weird gap, but that I, I'm inclined to think it's that. That's what I think it might be. You might yeah. be right. So, yeah. again, this freaks me out because I remember skating with my friend Jacob um, probably a, probably like maybe three weeks ago. Has he got a ladder? He doesn't have a ladder, but I don't know what that Jacob's ladder blog is. We need to either follow it or just whatever. But Jacob's ladder blog, if you're watching, I mean, we'll follow you. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. And I was chatting to him about, I was like, yeah, that sounds really good. And I was like, oh, we did an episode about Limp Biscuit, And he went, who? Like, That's he's, in his, he's in his what? I, I reckon he's in his like 23 to 26. I reckon that's how old he is. That's insane. And he's he literally no Limp Biscuit one. That, that freaked that's me out. I was like, that's crazy. So like now when we do this, I'm like, I'm going to have to be making sure that we kind of go around the back. Because it's so yes. easy to be like, oh, Keith Moon. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. And it's people's like, oh, I don't know. That's a, that's a drummer for uh, AC, ACGC. Is that right? AC like a G6, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah, what yeah, I thought. Yeah, okay. definitely. So oh, Keith okay. Moon, he's the legendary, legendary rock and roll drummer. He's one of the innovators of the double bass drum techniques, along yes. with old Ginger Baker. Yes. Um, he is drummer for one of the best British rock bands that you could ever see is The Who. Yes. Um, they kind of really said they um uh December 65, it's called My Generation. Now they kind of give they kind of gave Britain like a nice R and B kick. A nice blues yes. soul kind of kick. Um, 
they're like the kinks but they had more volatility in their image yes a bit more of like a rebellious kind of band it was like how the rolling stones basically like how the beatles were like the soft and the rolling stones were the harder kids it's the same with the kinks being soft and that and uh, the who being a harder yes I, I would say i would agree with that i would agree i mean right down to the the king uh, the king right down to the who's logo the raf bullseye i mean apparently when that when they uh, came out with that there was a lot of controversy thrown their way and people were people were very upset that they were using that um obviously in my generation with the like trying to trying to replicate someone on uppers or yeah whatever it was back in the 1700s um no very cool band and i always loved the story about the dynamite and the kick drum it's a very, very i do love classic, that story classic the reason why pete townsend lost his hearing in his ear yes that's correct and we'll definitely link that down i think yes. in the description along with some other stuff along with uh i do believe someone has roughly estimated how much money's worth of guitar has been ruined by Townsend. I bet so much. Because those Rickenbackers, they weren't cheap back then. Yeah. If you've got an original 60s, 70s Rickenbacker now, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. And he was just smashing them up. In fact, I think at one point, uh, oh, my mate, my mate James Smith will be kicking me now. I think at one point, he was... Uh, breaking so many of them, I think the label had to go at him or something, because they were paying more money on instruments and like nearly than they were making. Um, that could be right if it's not right. Walton hit me up, kid. Walton, he'll, he's our historian, fact. <laughs> I, like I I know that he'll come and kick me into shape. <laughs> um, but no, it's something along those lines. He did smash up a lot either way. Um, no, iconic band, amazing. Iconic, can't band. be argued. When we talk about volatility, Keith Moon and volatility and just this whole kind of like teenage rebellion, like goes hand in hand. And you only got to look at the first Who album. So the guitarist and main songwriter, Pete Townsend, he had already scrapped a first recording of their album because I think a critic or somebody said to them, why are you relying on covers so much? So he went, great. Bear in mind, he was really, really fresh to songwriting at this point. So he had to frantically re-record and read all these new songs, trying to, trying to like basically songwrite for the first time. Um, So they re-recorded about three weeks before their debut came out. They broke up. Amazing. Um, I think four days before they recorded, uh, what's his name? John Entwistle turned 21. They're all like early early 20s at this point as well yeah. roger daltrey went for a separation was living in the band van oh, man. and i think a month after they released their album roger daltrey's the singer beat keith moon up unconscious at a gig yes there's a lot of stuff like that i think my favorite story of it is keith moon being woken up by a phone call from roger daltrey he was in a hotel room and roger went get my drummer down here right now so Keith Moon got up, had a cup of tea, had a shower, put on his best suit, went downstairs to the lobby of the hotel and knocked Roger Daltrey out basically and said, you're my singer, I'm not your drummer. <laughs> like the man had time to calm down. He had a cup of tea and a shower, put on his best suit. Yeah. He had time to calm down. This is Also, why are you getting upset about it? I'd just be like, sod off, mate. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Buzz off, you stink. Buzz off, you say. stink, mate. So um, Keith Moon's yeah. very used to all this kind of craziness. 
that went on by the time he kind of recorded his solo. So this is like Indeed. 10 years later, almost. Um, I mean, he, and he innovated throwing TV out the window. To yes. Be honest with you. Yes, uh, he did. The famous story that he was getting into a limousine to leave the hotel. And he said to the driver as they're going along, stop, wait, can you go back to the hotel? Goes back. He's like, I forgot something. Goes up to his room, chucks the TV out and goes, I nearly forgot that. So brilliant. Like, what a bl- absolute rock star. Right? Absolutely what brilliant. Star. And again, the, ale- the alleged stories of Moon's antics are only rivaled by another drummer, which is John Bonham. Yep. Um, you know, and their infamy and their grandiose that wouldn't be tolerated today. No. It wasn't even tolerated then, but their fame and their power was too big. Yes. You know, when you've got enough money to rent out the whole floor of a hotel and then blow it up with explosives and you could just pay it off. Why yeah. Not? Why Amazing. Not? I mean, not? the... Um... It's quite funny. The first practical joke that comes to mind for Ivanis too, and we will stop tangenting and we'll get on with the. We'll albums. never stop tangenting. Nah. This is our whole USP. You can't stop us. Um, was when John they were in America, Black Sabbath, and John Bonham got no. What we about Black Sabbath? Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Yep. Yeah. And uh, no, it just reminded me of a story. It's got nothing to do with Led Zeppelin. It was Black <laughs> Sabbath. They were in America, and. John uh, Bill Ward. Yeah, who's the drummer? That's him. Drank so much he passed out. They painted him gold everywhere on every inch of his body. And he nearly died because his skin couldn't breathe. Because like toxic paint. Yeah. That is silly. And Bill Ward trying to stop drinking. And you know the story better than I do. It's to do with the label gifting all of Black Sabbath, uh, Rolls Royces, and um, Ian Gillen being the ever wonderful human being that he is. Black was better than you. Go away. Um, decided to drive um, Bill Ward's Rolls Royce into the swimming pool and give him the keys. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. Just, just remember, you sat away from your mic. Yeah, it's all right. It's loud enough. Is it? Yeah, is it really? Is it really? I'll tell you what, it is really. Because if I do this, look, and I say, yeah, that story is true, James. And I can just sit back and go, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, you got me there, big man. But I've yeah, got him there. I've got him but there. But yeah, I, I love uh, <clears throat> practical joke stories. And in fact, it just one more, one more. I cannot let this opportunity pass without mentioning it. I believe it was a PR agent or a promoter or maybe a manager, some form, upset Richie Blackmore. Uh, so Richie Blackmore took him for a drink, and he uh, spiked him. And this agent, PR manager, whatever, woke up naked, hogtied, in the back of a car that was on a ferry to the Isle of Wight. That's only, that's only kidnapping. The intent of GBA kidnapping, or... spiking. Uh, oh, he's naked as well, so I suppose you could add some sort of assault. Charge. Assault, yeah. Ah, well, rock star 70s, all right. Ah, whatever. Having said uh, that, amazing, <laughs> incredible. What a dude. Oh, I mean, it's madness to me. <laughs> um, Mez, what three rock star things would you like to do if given the chance with no repercussions? You know, you can throw a TV out the window, you can run a whole floor of a hotel and just sleep in one room if you want to i'd like to moon the queen that's big yeah anything else anything else i'd like to have a smoke on top of big ben 
Okay, fair enough. Just things. hanging out, just both from Britain. One more thing. What do you want to do? One more thing, mate. Okay. Uh, what else would I like to do? I'd like to have a private jet painted exactly the same color as my beard. Yeah. Then a thousand more private jets that are like painted in such a certain way that when we fly in formation, it makes my face. <laughs> Like the red arrows, but the met the mez arrows. Mez arrows. There we go. It's got to happen. Airlines. Although I don't know to what level of rich I'd have to get to be able to afford a thousand private jets. That's so many. That's more than anyone's ever had ever. In that in might. I was going to say that's a lot. You can only fly one at a time. Maybe just have one. On top of that. I'm going to have to pay a lot of people to build them. That's a lot. I'm spraying them custom colors. Yeah. They're going to have to match the colors to a photo of me. And then we've got the fuel. So much. This is, this is a hole too big. To, I think I'll stick with Moon and the Queen. Okay, go with Moon and the Queen. We'll Whilst go. I'm going, God save the Queen. Nice. <laughs> I actually think, no, that's treason, isn't it? Because not only have I turned my back on her, she's looking at me chudders. She's seeing your crown jewels. She's seeing that's quick, quick comedy. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? If that's what you call comedy, well, yeah. I'd hate to see a drama. <laughs> Whatever, eh? So, but, um, yes. Keith Moon's life took a very sad turn. Now, at the time of his solo albums, 75, he'd, his wife uh, had left him. He had a young daughter as well. Um, his drug and alcohol habits had escalated terribly <laughs> about 1971, 1972, because... The Who would stop touring and they'd do kind of these big albums and Keith wasn't, you know, that present. So he'd be bored at home and, you know, he probably had ADHD or something like that. So, like, this is why he did loads of drink and drugs. He just wanted to keep the touring life going. He loved touring. Um, and he gained a lot of weight, got into poor health. Um, the drumming had kept him, like, able to withstand the abuse, definitely physically. But if he's not touring every night and sweating away, that's why he put on all this weight and his mental health definitely deteriorated he's dating a new woman as well by this point she's a 19 year old supermodel because why wouldn't she be um he kind of drowned his sorrows and going around the nightclubs sending rolls royces to pick her up you know showering her with gifts all those things thank you keith thank you i have another necklace thank you boy um he was hiding his alcohol addiction as best as, as best as he could he even lied to her um he said he had to go to the hospital because he had a um ice pick through his hand Basically, he'd gone out drinking with Oliver Reed and they got into a scuffle. Them two got into a scuffle with other people and his hand got like sliced. So he said he went into hospital for that, but it's actually trying to dry out from alcohol because he knew that it's... That's ridiculous, yeah. Which is part of the reason why he doesn't drum a lot on his solo album. You'd think he'd be drumming on every track, but he only, only drums on three tracks out of ten. Um, so yeah, they took the Who took another break. They were going to film Tommy. So it was like a movie and an album. And again, it's big. It's a rock opera. Keith Moon's not got a lot to do. So MCA, it's a track records that was uh, what Keith Moon was on, I think, for The Who. They made a deal with MCA and they went, right, we need to keep Keith Moon busy because if he stays at home, he's going to go berserk. He is going to, yes. you're not going to have any house to say anything with. He's going to buy things, trash it, whatever, like, so let's just give him some money and he can just go do an album because he's he was always wanting to sing. He was jonesing to sing anytime he could. He would bust into recording sessions. They'd ban him from like vocal sessions, then he'd still Fantastic. sneak in. There That's is a brilliant. song on, I don't know what it is, there's a song by The Who where at the end you can hear Pete Townsend going, I got ya, because he's seen Keith Moon sneaking in. Nice. And he would do backing vocals sometimes live. So they thought, you know what? We'll get him in advance, help him fund a solo album, you know. 
just get them playing under the watchful eye of an American recording company, you know. Um, and he picked LA. So Moon had been to LA before. Um, that was with around the same time as John Lennon's Lost Weekend. Now, if Lovely. You, if people aren't aware of John Lennon's Lost Weekend, that is when he broke up with Yoko Ono. He was dating his, uh, Yoko Ono's assistant, May Pang. And he had, I think, about eight months of just drinking, partying, midlife crisis, essentially. Yeah. Um, Ringo Starr, Harry Nilsson, Keith Moon, they were that kind of trio of like troublesome drunks. Um, John Lennon also got in on the action. He wasn't really a big drinker. He was getting kicked out of nightclubs and stuff. Pretty embarrassing. But then he kind of, he only did that once. He was in the paper. I think he tried to punch a photographer or something. He never did that ever again. So he was kind of in there, but I don't blame him. It must it must get very grating. Yeah, especially if you're a Beatle, you know, they're huge. Oh, oh, they were yeah. still huge in the seventies. Yeah. Um. So Keith Moon did a cover of "Don't Worry, Baby." Um. He recorded it there, and they were like, "Okay, fair enough." A little dabble. Spent two weeks messing around, making John Lennon laugh, making Ringo Starr laugh. I like that. Getting three separate Rolls Royces out <laughs> to the club, coming back, doing rock star things of the seventies. Really, got to be done. So. He was there to pie. So now at 75, is off to LA to record. Should be a quiet night in at the library, don't you think? No. No, not at all. Not at all. So the working title was Like a Rat Up a Pipe. Nice. Which I know you'd like. Um, and he walked into the record plant studio at 10 a.m., clutching a bottle of brandy in each hand. And he was ready. He was in his musical utopia now. Fantastic. He had the cream of the crop of LA studio musicians, like Jim Keltner on drums, like legendary. Yeah. Jim Keltner is so legendary that Keith Moon had dubbed a Sunday jam session there called the Jim Keltner Fan Club. The Jim Keltner Sunday Jam Lovely. Session Club. Lovely. Um, yeah, drummer, like we said, but um, he just wanted to sing on his album. A bit like Elton from last week. It was yes. Like, I just want to sing on this album. Don't give me anything else. Um the session drummer when Keith Moon would play on a track. So the three tracks he played on are Crazy Like a Fox, The Kids Are All Right, which is a Who song. So that was a bit weird. Yes. He's covering a Who song on his own solo album. But I don't know. And the John Lennon penned Move Over Mrs. L. Um, the session drummer would play to keep time. Keith Moon would just play over the top. Yes. And it's noticeable. Um, so the record plant now, this was very luxurious. It had three bedrooms with a gold key that only some people would give you um, and a jacuzzi. So I don't know what went on behind those bedrooms. I'd be interested. But I bet to there know. is a lot of stories to tell. Them. Oh, I bet there is. Girls would go in. You wouldn't see them for days. They come out. They would be, um, they'd be a bit worse for wear. You know, the girls I'm talking like groupies. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know them. You thought I was, you, you, you looked at me then very scared that I said something different, didn't you? No. Yeah, you did. You looked at me a little bit weird. Didn't he? He did. Did I? Groupies. They get groupies. They go in. They, you know, they go in with the rock stars. A couple of days go by. They come back out. They'll be like, that was a good couple of days. So uh, that was a good couple of days. That was a good couple of days. Like Productive. That. Productive. Productive. Working hard. Working hard. So, yes, definitely the height of indulgence, I would say. Those yes. 70s kind of periods when money was flying and money flew on this album, must be said. Sessions were rife with drugs and alcohol. Now, Mal Evans was the producer. Now, Mal Evans uh, was like kind of like a handyman for the Beatles, wasn't he really? He kind of did everything, yes. didn't he? And he was very, very lost at this point. Um, he was drinking a lot, which obviously Keith Moon's going to love, like getting that stuff. But um, I think Mal Evans could actually drink more than Keith Moon, if you can Silly. believe that. 
he's very very disillusioned he got very very sad and depressed he fortunately took his own life because you know just he he lived and breathed the Beatles and when he realized that wasn't going to happen he's just very very lost um so yeah their actual recording was kind of like an afterthought really um when the rainbow club would shut at 2am go back to the studio Drink make it a whole more. party yeah. if you knew someone who knew someone who knew someone else about the party <coughs> you can go in there mate just walk around yes. maybe do about an hour of recording and then uh, chill okay don't do chill half an hour bit. and then that'll yeah, be yeah. it just kind of walking around but keith moon loved this he loved just everything all intertwined you could do whatever you wanted whatever yeah um like we said the sunday jam session jim kelton the fan club um you know they they jam for about an hour record something and then they go go party yeah makes um sense. Didn't mean that Keith Moon wasn't taking this seriously. Keith Moon was taking this very seriously. He really wanted to prove to everyone that he was an all-round entertainer. Right. You know, probably a drummer third. Um, nice. And he loved singing. You know, he just really wanted to do it. And it was kind of really important for him that I had to be successful. It had to be this, it had to be that. Um, but he just couldn't resist the sesh. He could not resist the sesh. He it loved the sesh. Um, Respect a man who loves the sesh. There you go. There you go. So... He did a whole first session recording. Um, he's very, very drunk. Like we said, if you're walking into, if you're walking into a recording studio, 10 a.m., two bottles of brandy. I mean, they're going. Yeah. And you got drugs, and you got groupies, and then other people come in, more drugs, more drink, whatever. I, I'm surprised you're even going to get like one chord down. Yeah, that's a that's that's a lot of distractions. It's a lot um, of distractions. That's a lot of stuff. But like we said, Keith Moon lived in chaos a lot. So like this is kind of like probably normal for him. Yes. Being in a silent room would drive him mad. Probably. I would assume. Yeah. I would assume. Um, so, you know, they do the whole first recording. I think MCA get given the first uh, single. They get Don't Worry Baby. And yeah, when I tell you this is bad, this is this is bad. Now I'm going to link down below there's someone has put together the single version from the first recording session and then the album version from the second recording session. Oh, no. Now, it is like night and day. I'm not saying that they're both amazing pieces of work, but the first one, basically put it this way. I've got it here somewhere. Let's have a look, see if I can find it. Um, I can't be bothered to find it, but basically, <laughs> imagine a very drunk and drugged up, depressed drummer who's been partying for many, many years and then decides to try and recreate a Beach Boys song with the trademark falsetto but notes, note for note. Oh no. And he's just been partying. He's drinking two bottles of brandy at least. And he's trying to do that. That I just imagine that. No. The same key and everything. It's making me feel unwell. Yeah, not good. Not good. So we'll link that down below. You can see the kind of uh changes there. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, Mal Evans got fired because Pete uh Pete Moon, Keith Moon heard these things and was like, his drinking's getting worse. I'm worried that. It's not going to come out great. So five mile Evans, they got a new producer in, um, because the two singles, "Don't Worry, Baby" and "Teenage Idol," which has Dick Dow on guitar, um, they flopped, and everyone was like, "This is embarrassing." I think Ooh. even Keith Moon said it was a shitty record. So I think at that point he was just like, "Sorry, man, you got to go get someone else in." Oh dear. So MCA now they had already spent two hundred thousand dollars. On recording bills, that's recording bills alone. They went, you know what? That flopped loads. We'll give you more money to promote it and you know market it and record it. Just go and do it again. Hanging. I mean, that's just mad. Like, 
just so much throwing money. good money after so much bad. money. So they got on a guy called Skip Taylor. Now he was an ex girl. He was an ex boyfriend of Annette, who is Keith Moon's current girlfriend at that time. Now Keith Moon was very very jealous. So that never got said. Keith Moon never found out that Taylor and his new girlfriend used to go out. They were never in the same room together. They kept it like that. Um, so the main factor in Taylor taking this role is because he would get a healthy advance and any kind of royalties on that. So I'm, he's just doing it. He's just yeah, doing it. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling money's not going to be made back from this. I mean, let me put it this way. Um, Mez, if you're, uh, if you're MCA and you've gone right, we've got a drummer from like arguably a, a very, very big British band. They sell pretty well. Um, he's turning up. He's got three bedrooms, a jacuzzi. He's going in with two bottles of brandy a day. He's got LA, which is like the dirtiest, not the dirtiest, but like even like the seediest, most luxurious drug all consuming kind of like hedonistic place in the world. And then you've heard, don't worry, baby, where it is like, he's trying to be Brian Wilson. And it's very, very clear. He's sloshed. Like if we go to the, you know, Kingswood Colliers and uh, they got karaoke up there and old, old, uh, other thing about old Dave Bevan, yeah, he's there like, oh, I've had, I've had eight pints. Uh, my wife's left me, and here we go. This is bye bye, baby. I love you, baby. And you hear that, and you go, I'm gonna put more money into that. I mean, how are you feeling at this point? What are you gonna do? Um, I, I just, I think I'd hope that there was more money in the kitty for a pint for me, to be honest, because. You're going to need one after hearing that, aren't you? And then realising you need to put more money to it. It sounds to me like they definitely had the money for just going spare. And they went, yeah. uh, well, it's keeping him occupied, isn't it? <laughs> this, is, this is all just to keep him busy. This keep, isn't keeping him busy. Just keeping him busy on, on the, the microphone. microphone. Um, that's oh, a little bit, yeah. That's a bit we bit do. That, so. Yeah. Okay, so how drunk do you think Keith Moon shows up on the first day of re-recording his solo album with the new producer. How drunk do you get? Fucking ruined. Very drunk. Very drunk. Absolutely Still ruined. two bottles of brandy. Still yeah. killing it. Doing whatever. Um, that's good. So Taylor says that if he doesn't turn up sober tomorrow, he's this album's not getting done. He puts his foot down. Now, Keith Moon, he likes to be the class clown. But again, he yes. doesn't want to think people think he's a horrible person. So he called him up and he's like, I'm really sorry. Because he's taking it seriously as well. He's like, you know, I want this to be good. Okay, I'll get on it. So that kind of put Keith Moon in the right mindset. It didn't necessarily stop any of the drinking and the drugs, but I mean, I guess things kind of got done. Um, but ironically, it's the producer Taylor, who's the one who's controlling the kind of voice of choice of the sessions. So before with Mal, it was alcohol, 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 and you have some cocaine. Now what Taylor's doing, and this was a role of what producers used to do in the seventies. They had to control the drug intake. So he's thinking, right, if I'm the one who goes, right, let's just have cocaine. Just have that. Don't worry about the booze, whatever. Try and do that. I know that then they're not going to get too sloshy. At least they'll be focused. They can do these things. We'll get some sessions out. But if you're telling me that Keith Moon in LA cannot get alcohol or any other drugs that he really wants to get, and the producer's going to think that he's going to control it, yeah, it ain't happening. Ain't Good luck with that. Good luck with that, Skip. Good luck with that, Skippy Taylor boy. Yeah. Um, but that was what producers did. They, you know, they had the control of like, okay, these this band's very druggy. Like, either you've got to try and get stuff or curb it or whatever. But you know, 
I don't know. That's the very that wouldn't happen now. Doesn't happen no. now. There's, I mean, I mean, it probably does happen now. We just don't hear about it. But also, like the the money is not there. Be there like ten bag of weed. Not in comparison to what it was. No, definitely not. <laughs> okay, so the first sessions were more booze orientated. Second sessions were definitely more cocaine fueled, and you can definitely hear that because I don't think you well. Keith Moon's probably drunk on the vocal recordings, but I would only say that maybe one or maybe two tracks you can really hear him like quite drunk. Okay. He holds it together. He holds it together. <clears throat> so now, so we get on to Keith Moon's vocals, shall we? Now, no. bless him. You know, we're going to go into this album. A lot of people say this is terrible. A lot of people say this is the most expensive karaoke record ever made. Um, awful, like unlistenable, these things. And I mean, it's Keith Moon. He's a drummer. He's just, this is just to keep him busy. He's just singing songs that he loves. A bit like, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne Undercover that you did? Yes. It kind of has that vibe of that. That it's like, okay, he's just doing this purely for fun. Obviously, Ozzy can, is a singer, so it's a little bit different. It'd be like Ozzy trying to drum drum on those. You'd be like, I mean, good, good effort, mate. You're, you're trying. It's not great, but like, I'm not going to hate this. No. That's how I'd view it going to this. Yeah, you know? okay. Um, so on the first session, for some reason, Moon decided, or he just opened his mouth, um, that he just come out with this really, really weird, like Nashville twang to his voice. So he's singing very American style. But anyway, he's a very British guy, and he used to do this very posh, upper class accent, a bit like this. But I think he was pretty much like a London esque sounding guy. Yeah. So the the producer was like, right, please, 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 like, just. You haven't got any identity here. You just need to sing normally. Yes. Stop trying to sing Americanly. Um, so yeah, he really does all vocals. There's no identity to them. Um, he kind of just does this posh British accent a lot. He has the three phases. He does posh British upper class accent. He does rocky vocal, so kind of like shouted. And he does kind of like a talk singy thing, which he does in a couple of songs, right. which sometimes work, sometimes doesn't. Um, so again, like I said, they released the teaser single, Don't Worry Baby. Keith Moon said it was shitty. So this is getting re-recorded. Now, the personnel on this album it is Rock Royalty, Bowie, Ringo Starr, Joe Walsh from the Eagles, Jim Keltner, Spencer Davis, Klaus Vorman, Dick Dale, who notoriously did uh, Mizzaloo, which yes. the Black Eyed Peas sampled. Now, Mez, do you want to tell the, the uh, Pump It rehearsal story? I think seeing as you were the one who caused, caused the, uh, oh. the story reasoning, I think you should be. So we were in rehearsal and we were going, we were preparing for a gig um, and it was for like a farmer's association. I'll keep the location bland in case anyone there is listening. Fair enough. Other fizzy drinks are available. So they requested Pump It by Black Eyed Peas. Now Pump It by Black Eyed Peas has a sample of Miserloo by Dick Dale. It's like a surfy song and they play the main riff and then there's three shouts. There's three like, ah, 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 like that. So the last one's really loud. What's it like? It goes, ah, ah, ah. Just one more for the camera. Ah, ah, ah. So nice. um, we're in rehearsal. We're kind of all in a circle. Um, that rhymed, whatever. Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. Um, and we're like, right, should we play the song? So I hear merits in my ears go, like that, right? And I close my eyes and I go, ah, ah, ah. And I drop a screaming. And then like, I was like, ah, and I look, I just open my eyes, everyone's stopping, looking at me. Yeah. And everyone just pisses themselves laughing. Yeah. 100%. That's what I give. That was, I'll never forget that. 
you were in my inners and coming out of the desk <laughs> and it was extremely loud but it was one of the funniest things i've ever i've ever seen in my life good grief i thought i was gonna wet myself <laughs> i went in it was great oh yeah it was great there's even a rumor right so we're back on track um, that Bruce Johnson and Brian Wilson actually played on Don't Worry Baby. Now, when you've got the the original Beach Boys playing on your Beach Boys cover, I mean, that's... That's pretty big. You've pretty big. You've hit it. You've hit it. Um, reports suggest as well that Keith Moon got paid a non-refundable advance to, on top of £200,000 $200, of the advance for recording. Sorry. I'm going to say that sentence all again, people. Have a go. $200,000 was spent on recording, but Keith Moon got equally just as much of that on a non-refundable advance. So he got a grant, basically. Probably. Yeah. Probably did, yeah. Probably did. But... Well, that's what a non... So he was given the advance with no expectation that it was going to get paid back. That's a grant. Nice, nice. Um, that's why I'm here, folks. There you go. He was just living out his desires. You know, he just wanted to sing every opportunity he could. Like, why not? Why not? It's just, it's very, very expensive. The most expensive karaoke record ever made. Now, shall we get into the track by track and kind of let's do it? Lennon gave him a song, um, three songs written by other songwriters for him, and five covers. We also get The Kids Are All Right by The Who, which is the band that he's in, and he's trying to sing lead vocal. And obviously, Roger Daltrey is one of the best British rock singers of all time. So you can kind of do the comparison. If you're going to look for the lens of which cover is better or which, song, which version is better, obviously. Obviously, the Who version is much better. Of course. Um, Crazy Like a Fox, I think it's a great rocker. Now, I go into this album and all I've heard is terrible, awful, unlistenable, a complete mess, a travesty, a drunken, just a drunken drug addict. What's the point? But... Crazy Like a Fox It's a really good, like, sweet-esque glam rock rocker. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, Moon's Delivery really suits the song. It's kind of got, like, a Bowie rock feel. I think it's really, really cool. Not the train wreck that I was expecting straight out of the gate, so I was very interested in this. Solid Gold. Hello, Ringo Starr. Fancy you doing a vocal cameo on my album. Nice. He's, he's been hanging around. He's been partying, you know. What would you think if I was made of solid gold? I would pawn you at the pawn shop. Nice. About 50 quid. Delicious. Delicious. We get more of Ringo later. Don't you worry if you're big old Ringo fans. Um, we get a nice tasty guitar solo. And that's the good thing. There's a lot of tasty guitar solos in this record. Very good 70s tones. Um, you can kind of hear a bit of the room. There's a little bit of grit and just really good LA session playing. You know what I'm saying? You that's know it's going to be tasty. You know it's going to be tasty. A bit of the room. Exactly. Um, Moon is showing us his posh upper class accent here. And he just speaks the lyrics. He acts them rather, you know, he doesn't really sing them. He kind of just performs them. And there's a very tongue in cheek line where he goes, give me more MCA solid gold. Nice. So he's even saying on his own record, like, give me more money, basically. I love that. He knows what he's doing. Don't worry, baby. Now, this is the first track that we'd ever heard. This is the first time we hear him attempting like a proper vocal. I'm talking about the second recording. So it's in a different key. He's an octave lower, so he's not trying to recreate the high falsetto-esque Beach Boys kind of stuff. It's one with a nuance and melody to be mindful of. You know what? It's not a train wreck. It's not a train wreck. It's mostly in tune. It's mostly coherent. Um, although the strings, the acoustic guitar, the big backing vocals really drown him out. They really kind of go like, okay, if we don't have this on here, it's kind of not exciting. So let's chuckle these people on 
that's better. It's kind of like a yeah. like a Phil Spector-esque treatment. To yeah. What I'm trying to do. Um, let's have a look then. Big old wall of sound. There you go. Be my baby. <sighs> yeah, I have no idea why MCA approved the uh, first version. Again, please listen to the link that I'll put down below. Um, oh, yes. Listen to the first version, listen to the second, you'll be like, what is going on? How, why did they even approve this? But I think the answer will be um, solved. Answer will be answered. Question Painfully answered. clear. Painfully clear when I get to the end involving an axe. Um, so, yes. One night stand. Um, now, this country song does not provide us with moons, does provide us with moons Americanisms and affected twang. Yeah, there seems to be at least two or three tracks of lead vocal at the same time. So I don't know if they've used some of the first session, some of the second, but I would say this is the least Keith Moon sounding song. But again, very nice, very non offensive, great guitar solo, very arena rock, middle of the road, 70s kind of tune. You'd have no idea this is Keith Moon singing it, basically. Um, the kids are all right. Now, the first version. Are they? They are apparently all right. Well, it depends what kids you're on about. These kids are down. I can't stand with the, with the scooters and the barrel bikes. And all. I just can't do it. Whenever I hear kids are all right, all I can think is. Yeah, because kids are all right. Robbie Williams and Kanye Minogue. Ask me then. Enjoy the podcast, folks. See you later. Uh, See you yes, later. I'm leaving. No, good. carry on. Okay. Um, a signature Who song by that point. Not by Robert Williams and Kylie Minogue, whatever. Could be. Pleasant and serviceable. Nothing special added to it to make it different. A near carbon copy. The vocals compared to Daltrey's are well. You want to finish the sentence? <sighs> there we go. Definitely that. Thousand percent that. Bless our lad, he tries, he tries, he tries. God loves a trier. No bells and whistles, just straight singing. The backing vocals really help him in the choruses. Um, the drum break um, is played by him and another drummer. Now you can obviously tell there's an overlap of timing because the other drummer is just there to keep time. Keith Moon's doing a drum solo in the middle. Keith Moon hates drum solos, by the way. Get the phrase, all drum solos are boring, was from him. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely like a weird overlap where Keith Moon sped up and the drummer is just keeping time. So you get like a weird, like falling down the stairs kind of sound. I quite like it. I quite I'm like into that sort of sound. Yeah. You never get that today. You never get that today. Um, move over, rest. Mrs. L. This is the John Lennon pen tune. Very much a throwaway rocker, I must say. Um, that first put me in a panic that Dancing Queen came on because it goes with the little piano thing. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think it suits him really well. I'd really like to hear a whole album of just, well, I would love to have heard an album full of just these kind of shouty rock songs. I really think it works. I really, really think it works. I think sometimes that's how you find your niche, isn't it, really? I think so. Because it's, um, yeah, happy accident. And that's cool when that happens because, I mean, if shouty rock is his forte, I mean, there's a genre of it that exists. It's mm -hmm. called punk. Um, but I feel like Moon would have done it better. Well, Every, is... and anybody who uh, agrees with me, give us a little comment, subscribe. Here is a little plug. Oh, a little plug! A little plug. We haven't done one yet. It's been a good hour and a half. It's been a good hour yet. and a half, everybody. Yeah, it but... It's not really, but you know, join our Patreon, three pound a month. This is uh, Von Mon Martin Boy, and this is what do you want to do? You want to sign up to our Patreon, <laughs> Fifty Ways Podcast? Is that a little? <laughs> I need to do a little drum beat. 
three pound a month you get the access to the episode a day early instead of all the stupid little public people you get to join up you get to see a little post you get to do whatever we get exclusive patreon posts yeah you kind of love it you've got a little community you can comment you can be one of the little people we mention you know so we'll mention but oh thanks so much for spending your money whatever yeah come join us etsy store yeah 50 ways to podcast etsy store buy a mug buy a t-shirt so yeah keith moon keith moon could be good could be good anyways so um it's a rocker like crazy like a fox old mover mrs Owl, a lot of brass a lot of trumpet a lot of saxophone whatever and um you know not specifically this song but when keith moon was recording vocals if he would do a bum note he would punch the light fixture with an ashtray um and let me just say when the ash when the light fixture broke that's how many times he messed up a bum note so every Good time he messed up he just grief. go he go Gate! like that he go like what he go Gate! like what he go uh, 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 that's what i thought you said so light fixture did not win in that case um teenage idol this is the one with dick dale in it it's kind of like a lovely little doo-wop ditty Again, Moon attempting a, pro- a proper vocal, proper vocal. Not offensive, nothing special. It's exactly what I was expecting going into this album. When you listen to Teenage Idol, you're like, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like, no bells and whistles. An interesting anomaly here in this catalogue. Um, I'm really, really, at this point, I'm really struggling to match up. I'm like, why is this getting so much hatred? This, And again, it really proves the point of us doing this podcast. Like, do not just go by what critics say and what you read in the magazine. Listen to it for yourself and be like, well, everyone's using the same notes, right? And okay, he's just expressing himself. It doesn't matter what song or how he's doing it. It's like, okay. Okay, now I know that Keith Moon, you know, is having a really bad time in his life and he's partying. And okay, this is a one this album even got done. Like, sounds very Keith Moon. Whatever, he's paying homage and tribute, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Exactly the point. I mean, it's uh, it's all about, um, I think, again, it, it just feeds back into that whole world of well like is it is it really that good is it really that good and then you read up about it and you go terrible terrible when i was younger when i was younger i used to have the attitude that saint anger by metallica was terrible <coughs> excuse me excuse me <laughs> and i'd never listened to it yeah. and the reason why i thought it was terrible is because other people thought it was terrible. And that doesn't make any sense, because if I haven't listened to it, how can I give an accurate opinion? Yeah. But I still said it was terrible. And I listened to it. first On first listen, it was, oh, this is awful, that snare sound, oh, this riffs are terrible. And I can't get enough of the same anger riff now. I think it's great. It's disgusting, and it's great. And again, that's that's... That's the point, isn't it? That's our mission statement. That's why we exist within the realm of podcasts. Exactly. The internet where everyone can be a superstar. Yes. Backdoor Sally is another rocker. Horns, big back and vocals. What, what was it called? It's called Backdoor Sally. Now, fantastic. The one criticism of this album is that I've kind of heard these types of songs too much now, like with the horns on it, a rocking kind of vocal. They do just kind of intersperse into one another, but not mad at it. Not mad at it. I'm digging them. In My Life by the Beatles. I don't even want to hear it. 
here we go, Keith. You got your big time to shine. This is a big song. Here we go. How's he gonna handle this? Oh dear. Oh dear. It is by far the weakest. Um, the weakest vocals on the album. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. He's kind of caught between like singing and talking, but doesn't really provide natural flow. So you kind of get like half a line where you're like, "Oh, this is good. There are places." And he goes, "I remember." And it's a bit like, "Okay, don't get it." Like Anderson Pack for me has perfected that talk singing style. It really flows. He knows when to kind of dip in and out very naturally. Keith Moon is doing it, I think, because. It's showing a vulnerability that he's there like, well, I don't know what to do now. If I try and sing it properly, it's too much of a big song for me to try and attempt. And I know my vocals aren't really there. So what I'll do is I'll put on a posh accent to kind of hide behind one. Nice. And I'll yeah. talk it when I can't sing it. Yeah. That's another one. I think that's where he's got from. You can really see the kind of like little kid in the corner Yeah. for me. Yeah. He can't just go smash up a hotel room in the recording studio. Sure, a light fix just fine out of anger <coughs> when you're passionate about doing your vocals. Well, but, yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, a light, a light fixture. Who's going to miss that? There you go. The music is very schmaltzy. It's very sweet. Um, instead of like heartfelt and endearing, basically. Um, I would definitely go listen to it. It's an interesting one, but yeah, not the most representative of this album, I would say. Um, Together, which is the last song, we get Ringo again doing a little kind of back and forth with Moon in what might be the first instance of a joke interlude. They basically just do dad jokes back and forth, half in between the song. And apart from someone like the Ink Spots, that were like a do-what band, they didn't do jokes, but the uh, lower guy who would do the bass singing, he would just basically repeat the verse and he would talk to you. Or they might have a little skit with, uh, please write a letter, Miss Brown, I think it's called. And he's basically saying, like, this letter that I wanted his assistant to write out is actually to you because I love you. And she's like, oh, my God. It's great. It's great. Love that does sound spots. great. That does sound uh, great. The music's some sort of, like, reggae vibe, complete with steel drums. It's very uneventful. The vocal performance is slightly more singy than talky, which means you get the posh voice again. It's definitely the slurriest vocal. So I think this is the drunkest he, he's, he's been. Drunk. It's just very plain and lifeless. The whole music overall, acoustic guitar strum loud and proud. The drums are just there. The strings take a lot of center stage along with the back and vocals as confirmed to be an attempt to help bolster the weak lead vocal patches. Um, the guitar solos are great throughout and really hit the mark. So, you know, if you wanted some tasty guitar solos, we're like, oh, that's a nice little lick I can steal. This is the album for you. Little yeah. One. But then if you do pick LA's best session musicians, then yeah, that's going to happen. There you go. It? There you go. <clears throat> so I'm really left here scratching my head because I think this is, Similar to you, how sometimes when you pick an album, maybe afterwards I might go, oh, I don't think, I was like, Maris album actually, it wasn't really like a bad album. He just kind of picked an album. I was like, well, he said he liked it and it makes sense. But I think, you know what? That still works. I like the fact that you bring in something where it juxtaposes yeah. and then the overall yeah, yeah. conversation we can get into it. So I'm left here scratching my head going like, I don't, I can't m- match up the, critics and what i've read the reviews to what i've actually listened to because they don't make sense no it is really not terrible no. it's really not terrible yeah. um but i mean that 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 goes through doesn't it because we've had that multiple times where it's just like awful awful yeah, yeah. i wouldn't touch it wouldn't touch it and we listen to it and you're like it's really really not that bad yeah and i don't know why i don't know why this always seems to be the case it's almost like people who uh, like other artists that are releasing music at the same time. It's like they're paying off these journalists 
to say it's awful. So they won't, the public won't buy their albums, but then the artists who paid them off will sell loads of their albums. Because do you know what I mean? It's almost like a conspiracy because the amount of times that's happened, that it's like this is not syncing up with the album I'm listening to. Yeah, it's very weird. Mm, I agree. I agree. Is it because we're not back in 1975 and don't have the concept of these like perfect performances augmented by computers? Um, have our standards for what is considered good music been lowered in 2021? Is it the fact that we're subjecting ourselves to quote unquote bad music and we're just there like everything just is fine now? You know, we're just kind of like, well, we're looking because we're trying to search for something that is truly terrible. Everything else that could just be bad is just so like, oh, that's fine, normal. Maybe that's what it is. The fact that we've, we've, we're very open and we're very kind about the musicians we listen to. We, we look at context. Maybe that is the reason why, because we've set this impossible task of there's got to be one album out there that is absolutely unbelievably bad. We'll find it. But we'll once we do, that's going to be episode 50, I think. That's true. I think that's the crowning moment. That's the crowning moment. We yeah. can't get any higher. No. So uh, before I freaked out, I managed to listen to the second disc. I found out that I think 2006, there was a re-release of this with the second disc with the first 1974 studio sessions. Now, this is the album they're writing about. Right. Okay. This is the album that everyone should be referring to. Now, we did get a stark introduction to the album's flavor with the Don't Worry Baby single. Very wise, wise choice to re-record it again. Go listen to the link down below. It is like night and day. We get most of this album here again by a few songs missing. We get a lot of session dialogue from Ringo and Keith. The most revealing of these songs is the first version of The Kids Are All Right. Now, you get a count in, and all you hear is, The Mad. Fantastic. And it's like, you are 10 sheets to the wind, my friend. He's steaming. He is steaming. I can see his hair all like that. Whatever. I think he says before it, he goes, only if you put the balls in first. So. I need to hear this album <laughs> now. He's mullered, fruit and crunch combined, mate. Oh, he's I'm done for, you. done for. Um, and the thing is, the mix, the vocal was so high up. It is like he's here. As like he's right here. Okay. He's it's so loud. It's so loud. Um, no reverb. Singers oh, no, worst dry as well. Um, this is the most expensive karaoke record ever made. This is where it fits perfectly on these kind of things. So go yeah. listen to that second disc. I might link the whole thing. I think it's a plan, to be honest, mate. I think it is. I think it should be He's done. He's basically eating the microphone. The choruses are just so bad. He can't hit the high notes. On the first chorus, he tries to do it from his chest voice. So he just breaks. And on the falsetto, when he tries, he's on the second one, he tries to do falsetto, but he's like, all right. It's just like, oh, man. Uh, again, that was, all right. So, all right. Good. Love that. Yeah. If MCA had gone, look, no more money, Keith. You spent so much now. Just get these recordings out. I'd understand. Yeah, they would yeah. have. They would have saved it as a say the fair few thousand bob, a um, couple of bob. Who wouldn't like that in their business? But in hindsight, they really did make the right call to bring on another producer. Yeah, just basically went, just get some work done, please. I've been here to salvage it. Just re-record, and he made the right decision. Uh, drummer Jim Countner remarked that this album was the best that Moon could make at that time, and he's completely right. Listening to the album again after listening to the first sessions is like night and day. Moon, after having the shock that the initial single bombed and being told that he should re-record, probably pulled his socks up as far as he could. Maybe had one less brandy. 
and you know kind of when it came down to his vocals he kind of i think he did step up a little bit you know if you want to get even close to how keith moon was living in the mid 70s go listen to this album the eccentricity the childish antics and the personas that moon portrayed in everyday life if you want to experience what's behind those three doors and the jacuzzi and the rainbow nightclub at 10 to 2 a.m before you go into the studio to rage all night go listen to the second disc that's what i would say you'll probably get about 40 percent of it so I'm saying this album is not terrible at all. I think it's actually fascinating to go listen to as a document in time and it is Keith Moon's personality. Now, back to that MCA little uh, argument. So here we go. This is back to Labour not wanting to upset Moon. So the album cover is what's perhaps most remember that is album. Now, Keith Moon's all dressed up. He's in a very, very posh, rich suit. He's in the back of a car. I love the he's cover. Got his, he's got his girlfriend to the left of him. He's got a driver. It looks very posh. Now on the back cover, he's mooning. Fantastic. It's just his bare butt. Again, Keith Moon mooning everybody. That's the whole point. One side he's being really, really serious. And next side is they're like, hey, it's a joke. That is literally the two personalities he had. Um, the two ones he wanted to convey. So this costs a lot of money. Yes. And MCA have kind of spent £200,000 worth of money plus. Oh. You know, so they weren't happy. They went, you know what? We don't really want to pay for the elaborate album cover. Can you not bother? So um, the car was expensive. The suit was expensive. Everything just expensive. Now, on the way down to the offices, Keith Moon goes, I'm just going to nip into an army store. A minute. Comes out with one of those fire axes. You know, uh, wooden handle, red. Yeah, I know. Right? I know, yeah. Puts it in his little coat pocket. Let's go. He gets there, right? Him and his two other, I think it's the producer and someone else. They try to negotiate with this MCA exec. Like, I want this album cover. And he's going, look how much you spent. We're not going to do that. But I want this. Back and forth, back and forth. Moon's saying nothing. He's stood in the back, of, in the back right? <clears throat> so <clears throat> clearly, no one's budging. Right. Keith Moon just walks up. He gets the axe. Holds it like this. Now, in front of him is the MCA exec. In down below is a massive, massive mahogany hand-carved executive oh, desk. Oh, it's man. to inspire confidence. It's to show this, you know, integrity in all these things. And Keith Moon goes, I'm going to get this quote right. He goes, what's it going to be, dear boy? My album cover or a new desk? And he's like this. Good grief. And the album cover is what you see, and that desk is still here. Good grief. So if you want to negotiate a good album cover, that's, that's what you gotta good. do. Yeah, I'll that's what you gotta that. do. And I think that perfectly sums up Keith Moon. <clears throat> I think you could be right. I am I am right because I've got it here. All right. All in here, uh, right? Look at that. Oh on boy. You've never seen anything like it. Good grief. Yeah, so please go listen to Keith Moon, uh, Two Sides of Moon. I think it's interesting. And Speaking of farts, here comes James Merritt with his album. Yes, so this week I thought of a few that I could have done and I decided to go off an internet list because I do it from time to time. So for my band member solo album pick, I went for The Golden Scarab by Ray Manzarek. Now, what do you know of Ray Manzarek, Marv? Ray Manzarek is the keyboard player of The Doors. Indeed. He didn't just play keyboards, but carry on. 
He did keyboards and he did like bass, didn't he? In the left hand, he uh, he was a lot. He was a big uh, lyricist with Morrison as well. I, I didn't believe. realize. I, I didn't know. Do that. believe so? Yeah, he wrote a lot. I didn't know that, and he is obviously he was a very early influence for me playing keyboards and piano. I was always mm. fascinated by him. I had a lot of Doors on skate videos, so very big Doors fan. Got all that stuff. Love it. Um, I know he has passed away. And I know that he's very inspired by classical music in his compositions. So yes, that's, that's the extent to what I know. And he's got big glasses and a big John Denver kind of style haircut in his prime. Yes. So <clears throat> I, lo- I also love the doors. Uh, I don't know a huge amount about them. Uh, I was actually listening to an album the other day because a, a friend of mine said, go and go and proper dive in. It's great. So I gave it a listen and I loved it. Thought it was fantastic. I'm trying to think what album it was. Was it LA Woman? Yes. The last album it is a banger. Dav Riders on the Storm on it. Yes. Oh, it's such a good album. It's so bluesy. Yes. So good. It's great. Uh, in fact, I will just double check because I do remember. I'm going to listen to that on the way home today. So good. Tiny that. Uh, Soul Kitchen's on it. Oh, let me sleep. Oh, that's the first album. There you go, then. I start from the beginning. The first album. There you go. I break on through the, the other side. side. So, yes, I did The Golden Scarab by Ray Manzarek. It was released on March the 28th, 1974, slightly before Keith Moons. Yes. Now, I've gone in with... I couldn't find any chart information on this album wow. at all. So I've gone with all music rating. And they gave it an overall rank of 82,309th. <clears throat> I'm assuming that's out of every single album ever, ever released. Made. Wow. I mean, that's... If you really think about every album ever made, yes. that's very high up the list. Isn't that it? is very high up the list. Uh, top albums of 1974, it came 765th. <laughs> Top albums of the 1970s, it came 7,717th. All the sevens. Who's, who's, keeping, who's putting that? I'm going, you're out, love. I just came 7,000. Madheads, mate. Madheads. So, yes, I couldn't actually find a lot of information on this album. In fact, Marv's looking at all my notes right now. I am. I am. That's what I've got. Fair enough. Well, you yeah, know, you it ain't again. all about the content. It's all it about ain't. what you're saying. It's all about what you're saying. And how you look. Yeah. And how you look. And I look stunning. Nice. Oh, Cut that out. <laughs> so there's some interesting people on here. In fact, most of which I've not heard of. you got Manzarek doing lead vocals, keyboards, piano, organ, synthesizer, and kalimba. So... Very sort of piano-based. Very piano-based. Yeah. Very, which you'd expect. You've got Larry Carlton on guitar. Huge. Class. Uh, Tony Williams on drums. Oscar Brashear. That's Brashear, not Brazier. On trumpet. Uh, a couple of people. Mayuto Korea. Woodblock Bongos Congas. Milt Holland. On a bunch of stuff I can't pronounce. African cowbells on there. Uh, Jerry Chef, he used to cook for him. No, he's on bass. Uh, Ernie Watts on the tenor sax. George Bohanon on trombone, which I, I know that name, I'm sure of it. Steve Foreman, not George. He didn't make the group. Uh, tuned cowbells, whistles, uh, tuned woodblocks. 
And then we've got Patty Smith, who does vocals on I Wake Up Screaming. Nice, Patty Smith. Yes. A good cast of people. And, yeah. And a similarity we've got here. Good musicians. Yes, abs- absolutely. This is the thing. So, given the sort of iconic nature of the doors, how amazing they are, fantastic, inspirational they are. Um, you'd expect this album to be banger after banger because Manzarek used to write with the doors as well, as well as Jim, as well as Krieger. You know, as a side note, Krieger's guitar parts are incredible. He is a very underrated uh guitar player from a guitar point i think huge i think he's above lindsey buckingham in terms of his guitar proficiency appreciation <clears throat> that's a big but call, his mate. songwriting is is i think lindsey buckingham's songwriting's more oh yeah. better than oh. robbie krieger's but oh my oh, god yes. robbie krieger's first song you ever wrote was light my fire which is insane a banger with great solos the yeah, solo insane. is just like the way he the way he's blended his spanish classical playing into yes. the doors was just perfect it's amazing. It's fantastic. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I expected this album to be banger after banger. It wasn't banger after banger, but it wasn't horrendous. Mm. And in fact, I enjoyed it. However, I'm going to find you a little review here. So this was on a list of this is on Ultimate Classic Rock. And funnily enough, look at that. Number two, Keith Moon, Two Sides of the Moon. Nice. What is the, uh, what's the list called? The list is called Rock's Worst Solo Albums. Wow. Okay. So yours got number two and mine got number one. Wow. That's insane. I was just like, okay, okay. Well, I'll read up on this. I'll see what it's all about. Not a lot of info. So I took what I could. If ever a solo album single-handedly put a legendary band's achievements into question, then it's probably Ray Manzarek's deplorable attempt to find life after the doors via 1974's unintentionally hilarious The Golden Scarab. Within seconds of needle-meeting groove, he can't come today's preposterously samba-fueled Break on through rendish reduction gives Vegas era Elvis Presley a run for his jumpsuit. Now, this is harsh as hell, but that last bit, preposterously samba fueled break on through reduction gives Vegas era Elvis Presley a run for his jumpsuit. Yeah. Could not agree more. <laughs> Could not agree more. Like seriously, it's it's big, mate. It's in there. You're like Ray, Ray, Elvray, El Elvray Mansley. Oh, he's got in there. Elvray Mansley. That's a good. Elvray is an Elvray Mansley. He can't come today. He can't come today. It's it's out there, mate. All right, it's there for the taking. It also sets the tone for a harrowing sequence of songs, juxtaposing cabaret, trite lyrics, and lingering doorsisms not fit for the most heinous, badass-ed comeback. <clears throat> so I kind of get that. There is a song which we listen to called Solar Boat. It is the second song. And, I mean, it's, it's really not terrible. Not terrible at all. It's just the wanna take a ride on a solar boat oh, it just sounds like a, like he's taking the mic it does it does and 
that's like all of it, all of it. Like you were saying about Keith Moon having like a really like sort of South American accent. And then he was like, no, no, just do it. And they had, he hid behind that posh thing. And then that talk singing thing. I like Ray, like what's going on, Jack? What's going on? I want to take a ride on a solo boat. It reminded me of like the fast show when they do the jazz bit and he goes, yes. Nice. Yes. So we'll link yes. that down as well for people who don't know what the fast show is. Absolutely. Uh, simply put, nothing can compare to the Golden Scarabs sanity challenging trans-dimensional musical existence. This, I agree with this as well. This album resides somewhere between Memphis, Tennessee and Memphis, Egypt. I think, yeah, that's perfectly Absolutely. And also between hippy dippy mysticism and any old lounge, lounge band playing at the nearest Holiday Inn. Approach at your own risk. So we got a lot to think about there. We do. I agree it's not the most wonderful album I've ever heard. I do agree it can't decide where it wants to be. There's a lot of, I mean, we've discussed this already, but it's, it's everywhere all at once. It's all over the place. I would even think of it as almost like a fusion album. Very much fusion, yeah. Because it's it's so choppy. It just, there's a bit and then like a stop and another bit. It's almost like prog fusion. It's very, very weird. And it's an interesting experience. It's worth listening to because it just blows your mind a little bit. But <clears throat> yeah, it's just it can't decide what it wants to be. Uh very erratical musical nature. Extremely self-indulgent. Extremely, extremely, which is hugely. Which like, is what I feel with the Keith Moon one. It doesn't feel that again, it's actually quite short. It's around about 30, 35 minutes long. It doesn't come across as self-indulgent, no. even though it is in its process. This one like really is isn't it yeah, so oh, self extremely so um there is a hundred percent some form of keyboard on every single track which i know the doors did i know that's probably very much a thing ray's used to yeah uh you know i'm not going to cut the man down for playing his main instrument but there's also quite a few instrumental breaks where it's like oh that could be a door song yeah oh that could be a new riff on a Doors song you can hear that a lot of the heart of the doors is very much Ray Manzarek. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is not a bad thing at all. He was fantastic. Yes. So it's very satirical, very satirical. The vocals, as I said, soul about it's, it's, I'm not even, that's not even like, that is how it is. That's how it is. Yeah. You can't come to do It's what it is. I'm sorry. I can't, sell something it's not you know what i mean <laughs> now we didn't do it last week we haven't done it recently what's that then? we're doing a mez reads the lyrics oh go on i love this segment now i have two i have choose up and choose off i feel like some of the lyrics in this song did not age well okay give me it some. so from what i can gather it's very much a song about talking about choices and Oh, what if I choose this? Oh, what if I choose that? What if I do? You know what I mean? The whole mysticism, spirituality. Left side, right side. Which side is your side? Straight off the bat. North side, south side. You better choose up. Black folks, white folks. Which folks are your folks? First, second, third world. You better choose up. 
because it's time to be counted, time to make your choice, speak your mind, raise your voice. Jesus or Buddha, Moses or Muhammad, who's your Messiah? It's time to stand up. Archetype or ego ID and super ego. <laughs> who's your analyst? You better choose up. Who's sane or insane? Which game is your game? Ooh. Middle class, aristocrat, you better choose up. The shape of the future is what we're after. We're all watching you, so you better choose up because it's time to be counted. Time to make your choice. Speak your mind and raise your voice. Like, that is what, like, a conservative MP would use. Genuinely. To be like, we need need to cut NHS hospitals down into half because we need herd immunity. Choose up, choose on. Whose side you on? Speak up. You can't come to me. Yeah, literally, mate. Dionysus or Apollo, good or evil, which one will you follow? Pray. I'm not done yet. Pray for your side to win the battle of tomorrow. But ooh, cha cha! What if there's no tomorrow? Oh no! Ooh, cha cha! <laughs> I can hear him singing it as well. Ooh, cha cha! <laughs> <coughs> yeah, it's more like ooh, cha cha! He can come today. Soul about <laughs> literally, mate. Why am I judging things? Isn't it all the same? Oh, this is where it doesn't age well. Okay. I see a white boy, black bo- black girl, brown boy, white girl. Yellow girl, oh. white boy, gonna mix it all up. There's your melting pot. Oh, that, that is an office quote. That is an if office you quote. The golden race will be the new people. If you move your vision just one step up, the key to the future is beyond good and evil. Choosing upsides, I've had enough. <laughs> I love it. It makes no difference which side wins because it starts, stops, begins again. And well, there's your way, my way, really only one way. It's the sun way, fun way. Let's go home. <laughs> Come on down in the Sunday, and we. Oh, mate. That's bad. Yeah, it's not great. It's bad. He can come to thee. He can come to thee. Oh, mate. So, yeah, that's not amazing. And uh, what else we got here, Marv? Oh, oh, thou, oh, thou precious nectar. A little fart. Oh, a little fart. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, that title alone, I, you can tell he's been very important. He's put his life and soul into this. It's very much like, you know, this is, yes. this is my personality. All these very important songs about life and death and he can't come today and whatever, <laughs> southbound train. And then it's like a little bit of nectar, a little fart. And it's like, I don't get it. I don't get why he would then just poo-poo at the end of the album. It's just not great, is it? So I'm trying to find the exact one. In fact, I'm going to read it all, sod it. I got a solar dream, a celestial scheme, a heavenly plan for the overman. You take your life in your hands, but it's yours to command. Believe what you feel, what you feel is real. Don't deny your body or you're going to go and lose your way. Your body is the secret, baby. Don't you go and give it away. You'll be pure spirit someday. But darling, for today, he's roamed away with someday and today visionary visionary take it as it comes watch a tv set smoke a cigarette give your mind a rest eat a good meal cop a little feel oh ray plant a small tree good god now you're free (laughs) it's so like 
It's so politician. This is the one and only greatest life you'll ever have. You got to live it like you want to come back over and over again. Because it's noon time, it's a fine time, and it's high time. You live your lifetime. He's arrived time four times there. <laughs> well, it's Sunday. It's a fun day. Oh, Sunday, Monday. Do it your way and have a nice day. Oh, just. Oh, I got more. It's just bad. It's, it's just bad. Yeah. Is this all the same song? Yeah. You are the only one that's going to tell you what to do. You know everything and everyone. The moon, the sun was made by you. Your astral projects someday. <laughs> But darling, for today, enjoy what you made. Take a nap in the shade. Have a cold lemonade. Don't ever be afraid. Go and see a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Dance a boogie woogie. Take a walk in the park. I think I was meant to say park. Cut a little fart. (laughs) Eat an ice cream cone. Play a slide trombone. Tap your feet and say... Or eat. Oh man, it's just what is this? Like some weird to-do list. That I've got to be like, he's so spiritual. This yeah, is so like insightful. Again, open to interpretation, mate. But I love that. Cop a little feel. Cut a little fart. Get down tonight. Pretty <laughs> much, mate. Pretty much, mate. You can't come today. Um, I actually really like that tune, so sharp. <laughs> so I don't think it stays as welcome. Okay. Forty-three minutes and nineteen seconds, longer than yours. But not so long. Not killing me. Not with he can't come today. So about hanging, hanging. So I didn't hate this album, and I actually think it's quite uplifting. Yeah, and even quite funny because there are points, especially with he can't come today. Just like this is ridiculous, Ray. What's going on? We have to. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Do you, re- do you reckon he had that all the way through the doors? And every time they write something, he'd be like, "He can't come there. I'll stop, stop, stop. We can't. We're not doing it." Ray, right. what are you? Right. What are you? What are you doing, Ray? Cut a fart. Go to the park. He can't come today. Oh, he's off on one again. Just have a break. That's lunch. <laughs> Soul kitchen. I'm gonna take a ride on Solar Boat. Hang on, cut. That's that's not lyric. Ray, that's not lyrics. Oh, Jim's maybe singing them. Oh, bloody daughter. Uh, Tap your feet and say, Ori. <laughs> hanging, hanging. Um, yeah, the instruments are well played. Great musicianship on the album. Yeah. There's not a single moment where I'm like, ooh, ooh, shouldn't have tried that. Yeah, despite the fact that it's really eclectic and everywhere, the album does have us like a sound. Yeah. It has a sound. You can hear it. It's unique. And you can hear one of the songs and go, that sounds like Golden Scarab by Ray Manzarek. It's it, that, you know. I think minus the silly song names, some of the lyrics being outdated and a bit strange. He can't come today. The accent being sang with. I think it's worth a listen. It's definitely worth a listen. I think my only criticism with this album is that most of the time there seems to be every instrument playing once. It's very, yes. very intense. And then... Yes. 
it will like change key. It will kind of take you on this journey where you don't feel very settled. On a solar like, boat. You've got like six things going on at once and like the keys will be playing a very fiddly part. But then you've got the drums and then the congas going around and the guitars are moving around. It's like everything's just doing this all the time. Yeah, it's all battling for, for attention. And there is a very unique sound to be had from that. It is interesting. But also, stay with the doors, right? I mean, at this point in the in the Doors' career, Jim Morrison had been dead for I think four years. So they'd split up. Just let you know. There you go. They were continuing as the Doors. It was a three piece. I remember they did a album. They basically had Jim Morrison's poetry, and they did music to it. That got panned. They did a Doors album. I think it's called Other Voices, uh, with the titular song "I'm Horny, I'm Stoned." Great. So, um, you can imagine how well that went. But does it have? He, he can, can come, come today. today. He, he can, can come, come today. today. Also, the same rhythm, same re, same rhythm as a very popular Queen song, which is "Keep yourself alive, keep yourself alive, take you all your time and money." He can come today. He, he can, can come, come today. today. We're gonna use that, mate. That is, yeah, it is a journey. It is a journey, but I think it's worth a listen. It's interesting in the very, very least. I don't think it's the worst solo album oh, ever made. No. By far. No. By far. The the again, we've we have we have come up trumps with this because it's like, don't buy it, don't buy it, stay away, approach at your own cost. And it's like, I mean, could be better, but I'm I'm not like rocking in the corner going, why won't it end? I'm just going, card a fart, go to the park, he can't go in the day, card a fart. It's almost culty. Yes, it is what I would imagine Scientologists on level two. Yes. They'd be like, right, now you can go to the Rain Manzarek ward. And everyone's yeah. going, he can come to the, he can come to the, he can come to the, like that. And they're, they're getting hyped up to go and storm a Catholic yeah. church. Yeah. Where's proof of your God? He can come to the, <laughs> mate. Yeah, no, that, that, there's a level. And you've reached it. No, I haven't. Ray Manzarek, I'm I'm fine with it, Shag. Well, he's got more albums. I did a quick little look on the old. He Spotify. has, yes, he has. James, 1974, the same year. Apparently, the whole thing started rock and roll. Now it's out of control, which looks pretty mad. It's got the Gambler. Maybe I wonder if that's that. That, and then he's got one called Carmina Barana, which seems to be like a suite. It's got Destiny, Rule of the World, Springtime, a lot of songs named after that. In the Tavern, The Court of Love. So, like, that gives me very Rick Waitman-esque vibes. Yes. Very self-indulgent, you know, very just, like, here's 11 minutes of a song. Um, so, I guess yeah. if you're not into, like, the proggy kind of stuff, you, prob- you probably would not like this album at all. If you're not into a drummer singing covers, you probably won't be into the Keith Moon album. No. Also, on Spotify, apparently, he released an album in 1983, and then didn't release another one till 2006. Well, you know, he, he took some time off. He listened to his words. He reflected. He went. He listened to the Golden Scarab and went, how can I make a worse album cover than that? It is pretty bad. It is pretty bad. I'm going to show up. Try and show it to the camera and um, I'll explain it. Yeah, here we to go. To the Spotify audio listeners. So let me just get it out myself. Oh, I found a bit weird there. That was nice. Stolen, stolen, stolen. Stop, wait, wait. Uh, 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 he can't come today. So, uh, the cover it says Rain Man's Wreck at the top and it says the Golden Scarab. He has got 
He looks a bit like David Bowie in Labyrinth. He's got like yes. makeup on um, to be made up like golden. I assume he's got very black eye brows. Um, I kind of like a bobbish um, hair. And he's got his hands up. So you can see his palms. He's got his thumbs uh, next to each other. Yeah, that's doing good, mess. Lovely. He's got his thumbs next to each other, holding his things. A bit like kind of bunny ears. And it says the golden scarab in the middle. He's in all black. So you can really see his head and his hands. Um, so I'm assuming that maybe this means something. But again, it could just all be drugged out nonsense. Whereas Keith Moons was drinking drugged out nonsense. Um, maybe those are two things that have in common. You know. All I know is Ray. Come down to Bristol. Oh, yeah. Have a coffee. Nice. He's going to ring me up. And his manager's going to ring me up and go, he, he can, can come, come today. today. He, he can, can come today. today. Oh. And I'm going to go, well, he's a silly goose, isn't he? Oh, he's dead, so. Don't call dead people silly gooses. No. That is what I've learned this whole podcast. Yes, indeed. Anything to add to he can't come today? Cut a fart. Rip a fart. Don't do a shot. Um, always eat a Bakewell tart. Always. That'd be my philosophy. Yes. If it came in. And at a Bakewell tart in like three, four years. You're missing out, kid. I love a Bakewell tart. I used to love a Bakewell tart, but I don't think I can handle it anymore. The sugar's too much. I was going to say almonds, not vegan. No. Well, almonds are vegan. It's more the icing as the egg in it, but oh. he's learning. He's vegetarian. He's, he's showing that he's doing what he's trying. Don't put me in a box. Yeah. Not in a label me. There we go. And that's the office quotes for the ones who are paying three pounds a month. <laughs> also, Anyway. Anyway, that was a nice big burp. We're going to end it on that one. Very, very good. I like that episode today. I did. I did too. Please listen to those albums. We'll put a little link down. Uh, possibly we'll put it in our playlist that we will update. Um, we always try to put in like one song that we kind of think is, you know, not a good example of the album. One song that is a good example of the album. Um, yeah, we'll put all those links down, like we said, of all those shows and all those little bit of cuts and singles and things. Um, next week, we're going to do because it's episode three of that. Yes. Justin Bieber. Justin. We had a conversation. We were like, you know what? We haven't really done a lot of pop. We've done a couple of albums on a couple of things on pop, but yes, we're going to dive into Justin Bieber because a lot of people use him or used to use him as the barometer of he is awful. As on the mean tweets version, Justin Bieber saying, please God, give us back two pack. We'll give you Justin Bieber. Like he was hated. Now, I'm, quite, I'm digging. You know, I'm digging. In the last five years, I've been digging a lot of Bieber songs. I have, actually. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. So no. we're going we're gonna to dip into that, try and do a bit more pop. Um, that'd be a fun one. Yes. And hopefully, when we kind of organize our lives a little bit better, we're going to try and weave this all the way through. We will try and get, maybe if it needs to be like bi-weekly, so every two weeks, that might work. But we're going to see if we can do once a week. Obviously, we are. August is, is very, very busy for us. Um, and we do appreciate everyone who listens and comments and pays money and wants, you know, yes. be our friend. Yes. Our be foe. my friend. You know, be my friend. Be my friend. He can come today. He can come today. He can no, come he today. Can't. No, he can't. No, he can't. Ollie can. You want my opinion on that guitar and you've already bought it? I would say go for it. That's. Feels and looks like the guitar. 
that suits you. It's got all the various knobs. Kind of like a, I think it's like a Jaguar where it has all of the tonal switches, little three things. I say go for it, Ollie. I think series parallel pickup selection. There you go. It's worth having. There's a lot of different options. Whatever that means. So, Ollie, do that. Uh, Everyone have a good week. Everyone do your thing. See your kids keep on rocking the old. Keep on rocking on the microphone. He can't come today. He can't come today.